0: This week, the triple theme for AHDB.
1: Yes, inspire, innovate, integrate. So the whole idea is about recognising the fact that innovation can be big and small.
0: Also, we've more from crop tech and concern over the loss of actives. It's just going to make life more technically challenging for farmers and for advisors. And farming for the future, we meet three potential new farm managers. It's uh, always nice to to sit in the the
2: meetings with my my dad and uh, the farm manager. Uh, and it, uh, I've took a lot away from it now to be able to sit in there and actually look at the numbers and, yeah, know what we're looking at.
3: Sunday, December 11th, 2016. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale.
0: Three weeks ago, we discussed the possible implication of avian flu reaching our shores. It's uh, swept, you might remember, across mainland Europe, and the fear was, indeed still is, that it could spread here, especially given the time of year, and migrating geese landing along the east coast. Well, this week, DEFRA's chief vet issued what's described as a prevention zone for England, telling all owners of chickens and other birds to keep them inside for the next 30 days to stop the risk of it spreading here. It applies to everyone, from poultry farmers to those who keep just a few chickens in their garden. Well, back on the programme on November the 20th, we heard from Alison Pratt of the NFU. Here's a reminder of what she said then if you suspect your birds could be infected.
3: Well, contact uh, your own vet as soon as possible. Contact the Animal, Plant and Health Agency as well. Uh, Make sure that if you have a number of birds that uh, become sick very quickly that you do notify somebody as soon as possible and that goes I'm afraid to backyard flocks, to pet flocks as well um, if you have just a few hens in your in your yard and they do look very poorly or, or die, report it as soon as you possibly can to your vet uh, it's very important that we knock this on the head and find out if there is an infection as soon as we possibly can.
4: There are two ways of looking at it, one you don't want it brought into the country in the first place but for that individual farmer should it happen, and we hope it doesn't, then that's a real problem for them. Presumably, they they have insurance, but at the same time, Mm. it's really serious.
3: Um, There's no insurance against the disease, unfortunately. You can insure for what happens afterwards, for having to cleanse and disinfect your premises. Um, And there's not very much um, compensation for the actual killing of the birds either um, if avian influenza is confirmed the whole flock has to be killed um, and only healthy birds are compensated for. It's a very long and drawn out procedure, it's a very expensive procedure to get your premises back to where they should be. Uh, again we're looking at it today um, trying to get farmers to understand the contingency plans that they have to put in place if this is the case, if they get an avian influenza infection. It's very complicated, very long-winded and very expensive.
0: Alison Pratt of the NFU there. And the NFU has organised a special event in Suffolk this coming week to offer more advice. It's at their offices on Willie Snath Road in Newmarket this coming Wednesday. Last week on the programme, we were at Crop Tech, where one of the main talking points was loss of actives, a real concern heading for a new year. Well, we pick up where we left off last week, really, as while at the event at the East of England showground, Andrew Ward chatted with Bill Clark. He's technical director of NIAB TAG, so with ever tighter controls, are things going to get even worse for farmers?
5: Well, it's going to be different. I mean, the fewer actives and fewer actives coming through and the loss of exi- existing actives, it's just going to make life more technically challenging for farmers and for advisors. The ones we have got will come under more pressure, um, but we do have new chemistry. There is new chemistry coming along, but it's, it's almost a stewardship issue now about how we manage all this new chemistry and the existing chemistry to prolong its life. Otherwise, if we, if we abuse the, the chemistry mm. we have, it will get very, very difficult because we lose even more
6: actives and then we will we'll just find it even more and more difficult. And with with regarding all those actives, the pressure groups that we have as well at the minute, obviously they're they're causing quite big issues and things, and I just wondered going forward, do you think they're going to continue carrying, having as much influence as they have? I'm afraid they will. In Europe, I mean, particularly in Germany and France, you have
5: have a lot of environmental activists, and a lot of the um, issues that come around are environmental issues, they're not really human health Mm. issues and you you get states like like in Denmark where they're terrified about pesticides getting into water because they take their water they're drinking water mainly from the from underground sources but I think the the Brexit issue might well actually free us up from some of that we will we will still have to uh, comply with some things like the MRL issues yeah. but we might actually have some actives that we will still be able to use you know
6: after after Brexit and going forward as well, looking at uh, different varieties that we've, we've got at the moment, do you think that there's not enough farmers are growing the right varieties? Because obviously we've got some good varieties coming forward for inbred resistance yeah. and some of the older ones require
5: belt and braces yeah. approach. I think, I, mean, I think the loss of active ingredients and the, the loss of activity through resistance will, well, is already making some of the existing fungicide programmes less effective and that I think will actually drive farmers to have to grow the more resistant varieties we've got some good varieties coming through now we've got a range of varieties that have good disease resistance they might not be the highest yielding variety but they'll be up there with the best and what you want is consistency mm. and you want you want flexibility in your fungicide program you don't want to have to spend 160 pound a hectare on fungicides and some of these new varieties will allow you to have fewer
6: fungicides and actually, be able to grow a variety with much less risk. Yeah. if you if you it make is. a mess of it, it's grown a le- yeah a high, a sort of a variety that hasn't such high risk. And in my view, I think that a lot of farmers don't sort of put the cost side into it. They're going for out and out yield yeah. without realizing how much it's costing them to get that. And its actual overall margins yeah. is the most important. Yeah. Well, we could do that
5: maybe ten years ago. You could afford to grow a really dirty variety that had a very high treated yield mm. because you could do uh, do that with the fungicides that were around. But now, lots of fungicide efficacy we we need to be focusing more about growing varieties that are more resistant not necessarily actually putting less fungicide on but just giving you
6: more flexibility in terms of timing yes yeah that, that's what it is and do you think as well we mentioned diseases a few minutes ago in the presentation do you think as well diseases are changing because we seem to just be able to control one disease and then you say yellow rust all these various strains we get and this just seems to be a constant wave of them at yeah, the moment. yeah we
5: do i mean we've just come through a year with very different um, disease pressure we've seen septoria dorum we've seen tan spot we've seen some very aggressive yellow rust all of these things some of them may be linked to climate change, but it may just be linked to seasonal weather differences. But
6: some of them um, are really making disease control very, very hard. Yeah, and we've just heard as well, we've been talking about how difficult it is and costly to get new actives onto the market. However, at the moment, we've just mentioned we've got four new fungicides yeah. that are coming forward this year. Are any of them worth worth using? Oh, I think all of these new fungicides that we've, we've talked about are really,
5: they're, they're they're new, they're very highly effective. I mean, it'll be good because it'll create a lot of pressure within the manufacturers and distributors on price. So it might actually be good for farmers because there's, there will be more choice mm. and they are, they're all very, very good. Would, would you hang your hat on anyone in particular to say it's worth a go this coming year? No, I think all of the, all of the current modern fungicides you could, you could stack up and you say, well, they're all very, very good. It's all about how you manage them and it can, it'll come down to
0: price. Bill Clark of Nyab tag On to agronomy then. Sean Sparling is here. Morning, Sean.
7: Morning, Sean. Dunderdale. Are we
0: ready for Christmas?
7: Oh, well, we were while (laughs) it was all frosty and a winter wonderland, and now all of a sudden I've got my bikini back on Mm. and jobs are good. It looks very nice. Thank you very much. I might put the top on sometime. Um, So let's start with uh, what Bill just said, actually, because that's quite interesting. It affects everything we do. Fungicide registration is under review. Endocrine disruptors, whether they fall into that bracket, whether the endocrine disruptor is something they need to deal with, and the implications are we could lose potentially 70 or 80 percent of the fungicides we use and that's why it's very very important that varietal traits and varietal characteristics so disease resistance are on the top of your list when you're choosing any variety don't just go for yield because if you can't control the disease that comes with it you're on to a loser Um, and this is really why uh, fungicide programs are so important the way they're mapped out and the, the way you use chemistry which we have available to us so not overdosing using sensible rates to control control the diseases but it will get quite difficult you've heard me talk about neonicotinoids and glyphosate they're all in this same barrel of um, legislative um, people are looking at them to see whether we're going to keep them or not so very difficult we're in a period of flux at the moment over the course of the next 18 months or so see what we're left with but we are in farming we will deal with whatever we're told to deal with we're free to do as we're told I think is the phrase Um, so it wouldn't be the farming program unless we started really on the weather it has been all over the place it's been very cold and now all of a sudden it's equatorial really hot again and the net result of this it's going to bring the slugs back up to the surface so don't just go out blanket spreading metaldehyde slug pellets for the sake of doing it get your slug traps out have a look and see if you have a need to put the pellets on in the first place if you've already gone to your 7 kilo maximum of a 3% product 210 grams of metaldehyde between the 1st of August and the end of December you need to be using ferric phosphate they do work very well they're completely safe benign to anything other than a slug or a snail um, and they're accepted by the organic community so they're not causing any problems in water um if you while i'm talking about metaldehyde though have a spill near a water course for goodness sake, tell somebody about it because it means they can react and they can stop the abstraction into that uh, particular reservoir and it stops the problem of getting peaks of metaolihyde all over the place. They can deal with that. Um, and of course, the weather brings other issues with it. We can see this cold, warm, cold, warm soil temperatures are all over the place. The propizamide that's already gone on should work perfectly well because soil temperatures, even though day temperatures up to 13, soil temperatures are struggling to get above four and a half or five. And as long as they're staying below eight, you your propizomide will work well. Um, disease levels in oilseed rate, we're starting to see a little bit more in the way of foma on some of the newer growth. But again, as long as you've got your fungicide on, you'll be absolutely fine. Remember what we said about propizomide, if you're mixing a fungicide with it, you can't put it on on a frost in those conditions because you have to pick the right conditions for the fungicide itself. Fox, biphenox, for those of you that have got problems with Cranesbill or Charlock and you haven't grown a Clearfield variety of oilseed rate, the frosts are the thing which is going to make the biggest impact on the charlock. The bifinox will do something, but if we get a benign winter and it's nice and mild, the impact is not going to be good. So you're probably better to wait until you've had some significant frost before putting the fox on. And remember, the only thing protecting the oilseed rate from bifinox is the wax on the leaf. And you only have to step into a field to see they're all floppy and limp. That means that the wax has completely broken down. They need to recover from that, otherwise you'll get some seriously yellow fields. And the best of is probably if you're going to put bifinox on do the whole field, don't do a patch because you'll see it for the rest of the season Um, so it is quite interesting with people talking about delaying their drilling um, and people thinking about putting wheat in after sugar beet of course now which is going very well, the campaign's going very well big yields out there, good sugars, big yields Um, but you may want to just question whether you force it in and maul it into a a dodgy seedbed after sugar beet or whether you delay that into January, February and put it in in better conditions. But that's for you to decide really. Certainly from my point of view, if you can get it in well, it wants to go in because it will be up at one and a half to two leaves when you're putting a spring wheat crop in in February so it's already got the edge. Um, And most of the winter wheat varieties are pretty good uh, and will yield pretty well right up until February. Um, And that's about it really. Suffice to say, remember, deter its It's not something you can drill beyond the 1st of January, as I uh, said last week. So apart from that, yeah, it's all go, really, and um, it's beginning to feel a lot like uh, Christmas.
0: Two weeks today, soon we here. Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services. AHDB held its uh, Agronomist Conference this week, Thursday and Friday just gone, with a triple theme being unveiled. Tim Isaac is Head of Knowledge Exchange at AHDB Cereals and Oilseeds. He talked me through... All three themes.
1: Yes, inspire, innovate, integrate. So the whole idea is about recognising the fact that innovation can be big and small, and, and an awful lot of the, the small scale, but ultimately really significant innovation happens on farms. So what it's all about is, is capturing those small innovations and making sure the whole industry benefits. And at the other end of the scale, massive step forward in research. So it might be a big jump in genetic I- improvement. Um, but the, the, so the, it's just recognising the fact that, as I say, innovation can happen at any level. Uh, and so we're trying to pull it all in together into one conference next week at the Economist Conference back here at uh, the Peterborough Arena Um, so yeah it should be good and and for the first time this year we're combining with our potatoes colleagues so people with an interest where they've got potatoes in the rotation can now come to a one-stop shop and you get the whole arable environment in in one hit rather than coming to two separate events and you say innovation is like well, it's the
0: future literally isn't yeah it?
1: absolutely yeah now we, you know we, we you can't stop innovating otherwise you go backwards and and we you know we we can't do it all but we feel that we play a, a crucial role in helping to facilitate that innovation at whatever level and the integration part of that is making sure we're all working with our partners in the industry that we get the best out of it try and avoid duplication but make sure we add value so it's that it's that integration to make sure we're making best use of what limited funds there are to to, to really sweat the research and make the make the most of it going forward
0: and we are going into a new year soon what what are you hoping for the new year i say we've had brexit this year is there a real opportunity do you think for agriculture
1: i think there are opportunities and threats uh, i think what we need to do as an industry is to put ourselves in the best possible position To make sure we can minimise and manage the threats and make the most of the opportunities. So so now it's all about sort of doing a health check of your business. Where am I? Where are the weak spots? Where are the strengths? Uh, And making sure you, you use the next two or three years. I mean, effectively, we've got three harvests left under the current regime. So by 2021, you need to be in a position where you, you're able to make the most of the, what opportunities that are out there. But equally, you put yourself in a position where you're not vulnerable to some of the potential threats. It's all changed. There's so many unknowns that all you can do is do the best job you possibly can. Just make sure your business is as lean and as well managed as it possibly can be.
0: Tim Isaac of AHDB. On to grain then. And it's Tom Miller with the news from Open Field this week. Morning, Tom. Morning, Sean. What's, uh, what's the latest then? Uh, relatively quiet really I think
8: um, not a lot of change price wise not a lot of news in the market um, European markets really have been been quieter day by day really as wind down starts for the Christmas holiday season uh, lack of appetite for traders put positions on ahead of the uh, the holiday season and the new year uh, and also, lack of uh, desire from the seller 's side to put any new contracts on and they don't want to execute existing contracts before they do anything fresh so there 's not going to be a lot of activity I think really between now and uh, now and january um, in the news this week we 're seeing concerns over the bird flu um, so people are saying they 've got to keep poultry inside for thirty days. Uh, people have said anecdotally that this could increase uh, feed demand with the birds being locked up inside all day but you know, It's anyone's guess as to how much extra feed a chicken or turkey, is going to eat while they're inside, instead of roaming about outside. So, yeah, we could see a bit of extra demand, but who knows. Um Currency really continues to dominate prices uh, for both old crop and new crop. Exports out of the UK could be up to a million tonnes by the end of December, so potentially making the UK balance sheet tight towards the end of the season. Uh, there's been talk of maize and wheat being, well, talk of maize and wheat could be imported into uh, ireland and northern england um, but nothing's been confirmed yet but it looks shows that people are looking at it and it's it's not far off calculating uh, temperatures continue to decline across the black sea in particular ukraine so we've got sub minus 15 degrees over there uh, but you know while there is freezing temperatures uh, it's probably not going to have too much impact as adequate snow cover uh, cold temperatures uh, is, is beginning to impact on logistics though Uh, Russian-Ukrainian wheat exports continue, um, although down on the week, and in contrast, Ukraine maize exports have increased, uh, which may stimulate European producers to sell sooner rather than later in the new year. Um, In tenders, Saudi bought 945,000 ton of barley last week, Uh, optional origin but more than likely Australian. Uh, India scrapped its 10% import duty on wheat following two drought years and record high local prices last month. Uh, crop reports or production reports Australia came out uh, with their December crop report with up revisions of 14% from their September estimate so they're now putting wheat production at 32 million tonnes barley at 10 million tonnes and rape at 3.5 million tonnes so adding to the global supply Uh, Stats Canada came out Uh, Also, and like Australia's estimates, but within trade expectations, added to the somewhat global bearish supply of demands, if you like. Um, But despite an increase in production in both the northern and southern hemisphere, uh, quality remains a concern. And even though protein levels have been average, specs such as test weights and falling numbers continue to disappoint. Uh, USDA came out on Friday with their latest report, but that'll be digested over the weekend. But again, expected to increase world end stocks and global Global end stocks, so that'll be bearish for the markets. But it is worth remembering that the UK, we are an island. uh, Although yes, we are world supply and demand, and and on the world grain markets, um, our S and D is tight. um, So you know we're not necessarily going to follow everybody else. Uh, January feed week then for the UK is 136 to 138x, uh, May 135 to 138, so no real carry in the market uh, and the spots are better sell. November 17 is 125 to 128. Uh, Group 1 milling premiums uh, continue to be eroded and coming under pressure, languishing at circa £5 depending on movement requirements and exacting quality. Feed barley is worth 115 to 117x for January and May 119 to 121. Spring malting barley, 145 to 148x for May, uh, and that's for a max 1.85 nitrogen. Uh, rapeseed market has been reasonably quiet, supported by strong gains on Chicago soybeans on the back of good demand, but any rise has been capped by firmer sterling. Uh, we've seen further pressure coming from lack of buyers, uh, having cover through to January, but little to cover from January onwards, uh, and the tight UK, UK S&D, so we may see an uplift in values in the new year. January is 134, uh, 145x and harvest 315x. No real change on the bean market, lack of general demand for both human consumption and feed. Feed beans are 145 to 148x uh, depending on location, and human consumption springs circa £15 premium.
0: Thank you. More from the team at Open Field next Sunday. Now, as you know, we're all for attracting new blood into agriculture. And at Rice Home College, a host of potential new farm managers have just been put through their paces. Harry Hudders, Tom Burnett and Charles Kirk have just completed the first stage of the Farm Management Development Programme at Rise Home. It's now in its second year, the programme itself, and Andrew Ward has spoken with the three delegates. So the,
6: the objects of the course, obviously, are to sort of prepare you uh, more into farming and, and help you on the journey into farm management and, and running farms. Obviously, it's a very challenging time at the moment. Uh, if I could first ask you, Tom, what are the sort of highlights of the week that you've learnt?
2: Uh, Sort of uh, chairing meetings, uh, getting myself confident out, uh, always been quite a shy lad, uh, but just, yeah, having to talk clear uh, and putting your points across.
6: Had you had any involvement or did you know anything
2: about chairing meetings before? No, not at all, no. So, uh, yeah, no, found that really uh,
4: helpful. Yeah. Um, Uh, And Harry, what stands out for you? Going out to Rob's farm and seeing all the different diversification projects he's been involved with Mm. uh, and looking how you can, take that back to your home farm yeah, and progress with that.
6: Yeah, that's one of the aims, really, is to do that, to look at all the opportunities you've got back at home. And Charles, anything stand out for you?
4: Um, yeah, the, uh, the cost production to what we did mm. and the thoroughness of it, mm. I think is just quite inspiring, and obviously the diversification at Robert Burrell's firm as well, mm. that was that was really real eye-opening. Yeah, yeah.
6: And have all of you, because uh, most of you, I don't think any of you knew each other, did you, before the course started?
4: No, no. no, no, no.
6: no. And so, uh, obviously, the gelling of the group. You feel you've made lifelong friends? Yeah, top? definitely. Yeah, no, it's been uh, yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. good, uh, good group of lads. And obviously, uh, Charles, at, at, at night, sorry, you know, you, you have. Um, other people coming in to see you, um, yeah. and and guests, if you like, you think that's been useful. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely yeah. I've learnt a, yeah. a, a lot. Yeah, and and on your on Harry going to to sort of um, looking at other aspects you've learnt during the week, you've picked up on. Obviously, leadership skills is something we've we've mentioned um, that obviously is quite important in farming. Um, is is another little area. What was that yeah, like?
4: really good. Something I wasn't. Uh, Overly confident with to start with, but mm-hmm. now I think I've really grown as yeah. in the way I can lead people. Yeah,
6: yeah. yeah. And another session we did uh, was on was on accounts. We had Mark Chatterton from Duncan Toplis come to talk to us on accounts and understanding farm accounts, and and he, he got you to do an exercise, didn't you, Tom?
2: Yes, he did. Um, uh, no, found it uh, really helpful uh, for sitting back in the office and. Uh, it's uh, always nice to, to sit in the, the meetings with my, my dad and uh, the farm manager, uh, and it's uh, I've took a lot away from it now to be able to sit in there and actually look at the numbers and yeah know what we're looking at and uh, have my uh, bit of a two pence yeah. in it.
6: And and how important do you think it was, Harry, um, after 5 p.m. sort of when you're getting. Uh, Talking to other people and talking amongst yourselves out of the sort of the lecture room, if you like, and, and uh, getting to know about each other's individual as individuals.
4: Well, it was fantastic. Like it's a different type of communication with people compared mm-hmm. to what you're doing in the just in the classroom. Yeah, uh, you also get to know more informal things about their farms and get to know how other people mm. run their businesses mm. yeah but they don't necessarily think of telling you in a presentation but no. you actually get talking you yeah. find a lot out
0: harry tom and charles oh and of course andrew ward and they're all back for a second week on that farm management development program in february we wish them and their fellow delegates well the
3: farming program Five day forecast.
0: Yes, let's turn to the uh, forecast for the week ahead then. Today, not a bad day, actually. Patchy cloud, windy though, from the west, 15, gusting at 30 miles an hour. Highs today of 9 Celsius. Staying overcast overnight tonight, 4 Celsius the low first thing tomorrow morning, that wind. Starting from the west at about 10, gusting at 15, then southwesterly, about 10 miles an hour, come first thing tomorrow morning. Tomorrow itself starts dry with some sunny spells and patchy cloud, but then heavy rain drifting in by uh, early afternoon, certainly some heavy rain by the evening. We're looking at highs tomorrow of around 7 Celsius away from the rain, and that wind from the south-southwest, 10 gusting at 20 miles an hour. As I say, a heavy band of rain sweeping across uh, overnight Monday into Tuesday. That wind from the uh, south as well, 10 gusting at 25, maybe 30 miles an hour for a time. Temperatures uh, generally around 7 or 8 Celsius because of that uh, southerly wind. And then Tuesday itself, a few more showers, not as heavy as overnight though. We're looking at highs of about 8, maybe 9 Celsius, that wind from the southwest at about 10 gusting at 15 miles an hour. Clear skies for a time, Tuesday, but then clouding over with again some showers first thing Wednesday morning. Lows down to around 5 Celsius, the wind still from the south at about 5 miles an hour. And then further rain on and off certainly through the start of Wednesday, but it should dry out by the afternoon. We're looking at highs still mild, 9, maybe 10 Celsius, that wind still from the south southwest, 10 gusting at 20 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week, well, that's that wind will still be blowing from, uh, from the south. Could be gusting at uh, 25, 30 miles an hour for a time. That's keeping temperatures a little bit higher. We're looking at highs of about 8 Celsius come the end of the week. Overnight lows generally of around 5 Celsius, and it should be mostly dry. That's the forecast then. Next week, it's our final farming programme proper for this year. We will have a Boxing Day panto for you, but... Uh, Certainly from an agricultural point of view, next Sunday is our last chance of 2016 to bring you the latest news. We'll have one final update uh, before the festive period from uh, Nick Morris of British Sugar as well. And we'll touch on some of the main talking points of the year uh, too. I think we'll be joined hopefully by uh, our agricultural chaplain among others. That's uh, next Sunday. Until then, have a good week's farming.